Can you be foolish enough to make God say, I can't stand this guy. This guy's the worst. Or can you sin in such a way that God might say, this guy is just unlovable. I'm out of here. We think so because we make God after our own fickle image. We base our relationship with God like the relationships around us, with parents who get frustrated by us, friends who turn on friends, spouses who abandon their marriage. And we think our relationship with God is like these relationships. And so we end up fearing God, perhaps fearing whether or not God loves us. Or perhaps we wallow in self-loathing. How can God love me? How can God love you? Because he is not you. God is steadfast, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God's love cannot be broken. That's the main idea of our text this morning. God's love cannot be broken. And I have two points this morning. And all the note takers are saying, yay, notes, points, two points. God's love cannot be broken. First point, God's love is too great. God's love cannot be broken because his love is too great. Point two, God's love cannot be broken because God's love is forever faithful. So first point, God's love cannot be broken. His love is too great. Verse 1, now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and all the Israelites were encamped at the spring of, or that is, in Jezreel. Now the last time we saw the Philistines in the previous chapter, in chapter 28, the Philistines were in Shunem. But now they're in Aphek. And the last time we heard of the Israelites, we saw that the Israelites were in Gilboa. Now they're in Jezreel. Now you don't need to see the map, but the geography is important. What the narrator is going out of his way to show us is that chapter 28 and chapter 29 are not the same event. They're two different events. Now, chapter 27 and chapter 29 are the same event. But chapter 28 interrupted the story of David. It's kind of like when you're watching a good football game. And your team is marching down the field. And everything's on the line. The quarterback drops back. He throws the pass into the air. And as you're about to see the touchdown, it's all on the line. All of a sudden, you're taken to another game. You ever had that happen? And the broadcasters say, well, thanks for joining us, those of you who are watching so-and-so game, now to be watching this game. And you're yelling at the TV, no! That's chapter 28. We've been following David closely. He's the man after God's own heart, but lately he's kind of turned. He's turned a little sour. He's turned against the Lord. He's joined the enemy. He's actually about to fight with the enemy against 
God's people about to ruin his life and we're on pins and needles, but then we have to watch Saul practice divination. We saw it last week. Nothing new. Same old Saul, traitor, enemy of God, condemned. Now we're taken back to the game, if you will. Now we're back to David. What did we miss? Perhaps while Saul was in Dindor, you're thinking, man, I hope David has fled. I hope during this time he's gone away from the enemy. He's gone back to the Lord. He repented of his sin. And that's all good. So we're hoping David's repented. We're on pins and needles, verse 2. And as the Lord of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, so we're brought into the camp of the enemy. We're in the serpent's camp. Where's David? Can we see him? Is there any sight of David? Ah, there he is. Ah, somebody wasn't here. And David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. I'd hope he'd fled. We'd hope he'd turned to the Lord. But here he is still outside Israel. That means away from the presence of the Lord. And it's worse. He's preparing to attack Israel. Now, military pursuits in this day were highly theological. These were theocracies at war. These were, this was holy war. You know, today recruiters go to the high school, high schools to get young men and women to join the military. Back in this day, the recruiters went to church. Come fight for God. And so David is marching under the banner of a false god. This is idolatry. David is preparing for idolatry. And we know what happened to Saul when he practiced idolatry. David is sided with the enemy, but not all were pleased with the union. Verse 3, the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? Now, these commanders, these generals, they remember chapter 14. Remember in chapter 14 when the Hebrews joined the Philistines, these loyalists to the Gathites joined the Philistines and went to war, but in the heat of battle, what happened? Blood's thicker than water is what happened, right? And the Hebrews turned on the Philistines from the rear. And Israel won that day a great battle. And these lords are saying, hey, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And these guys are no leaders, or no fooler, no fools. They do not want these Hebrews here. And it says, and Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David? He's a servant of Saul, yes, king of Israel, but he's been with me. He's been with me. He's mine. And look how long he's been. Days and years. You know, it takes a while to get to know someone. It's been days and years. Achish is saying, I know this young man. He's a deserter. He belongs to us. He's a good son. I found no fault in him this day. Achish had to remember chapter 14. But he was so convinced by David, by his actions, by his words, his word and deed, 
in time, David proved to be trustworthy. Now, as a Christian, we all desire to be blameless before the Lord. We all desire to be blameless with one another. That is a commandment, to be blameless. But this is not piety. To be trustworthy. Achish is antichrist. And David was a servant of the devil. Fully committed. Encamped. Entrenched. Sold out to sin in over, over a year. He's just like Saul. Would he be condemned? 28, chapter 28, Saul was condemned. Would David be condemned? Verse 4, but the commanders of the Philistines were angry with Achish, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, send the man back. Get him out of here. Go back home. He cannot go to battle with us, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For these, these commanders realized the best way back to Saul's good graces were the heads of the Philistines. He says, for how could this fellow reconcile himself to the Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? And we know who this guy is. He takes heads. He took the head of our greatest champion, Goliath. He could easily take the heads of the Philistines here today. We all know his might. We all know his power. It's been catechized into us from our youth in song. Isn't this the David of whom we sing and they sing and dance? Saul is struck down as thousands and David is ten thousands. Every little Philistine school kid knew that David was not someone to be trusted. They sang the song on the playground. But Achish trusted him. Look at verse 6. Achish. Then Achish called David. He's going to give him the bad news. Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives. We haven't heard Yahweh's name for a while. As Yahweh lives. He invokes the name of Yahweh, the serpent king. As Yahweh lives, you have been honest to me. It seems right that you should march out with me to the campaign. I have found nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong in you. Well, there's a lot wrong. Again, this isn't piety either. And by Achish calling on, invoking Yahweh's name, this is, this is, a, this is the serpent calling on God's name, invoking God's name. This is blasphemy. He is simply adding Yahweh's name to the pantheon of their pagan gods. He was reducing Yahweh to Dagon. This is a violation of the third commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And we remember last time a Gathite took the Lord's name in vain in front of David, and David knew what to do. David said, the last time a Gathite took the Lord's name in vain from him, he said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down. You see, Torah commands stoning for blasphemy. You blaspheme, you, you take the Lord's name in vain, you get stoned. So David knew that all he needed was a few stones and a sling to honor God's name the last time a Gathite used God's name in vain. But not here. Here he allows it. Because he belongs to them. He was a perfect serpent son. 
He says, Achish says, I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me this day. Achish is saying, I have seen your heart. This is a very damnable verse. This is very damnable. The serpent king is saying, I find you loyal. You are mine. But my hands are tied. These generals don't see what I see in you. They don't see the darkness like I see the darkness. His hands were politically tied, so he had to send David away. He said, they do not, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. We've been, we've been on pins and needles. We've been following the pursuits of David so far. We've seen him join the armies of darkness. And we've been waiting for him to turn. We've been waiting for what's going to happen. Is David really going to fight the enemy? And now we get an answer. He's not going to fight the enemy. But it's not a very satisfying answer. I kind of prefer him taking heads. I want to see David take some heads. And then I will know that David is a man after God's own heart. Then we can praise the Lord. But Christian, we should praise the Lord. Even here because we find in this text a love too great. We find God's love is too great. He would not, God would not, Yahweh would not let go of David no matter his sin. So God saved David by the lords of the Philistines. David was saved by the devil. And that's okay. Because the devil is God's devil. God is in control. We know that God is in control of all things. We know that God uses evil. We know that God doesn't do evil. But we know that he allows it. We know that he permits it. But we also know that he directs it to his end. Man freely get what they want. They want evil and God gets what he wants to. How those two work? Mystery. There's a famous sermon illustration that makes the point, well, it goes something like this. A Christian woman. A Christian woman was alone and without food. So she got on her knees, as any good Christian would, and she prayed that her Heavenly Father would give her her daily bread. And her atheist neighbor overheard her prayer. And he thought, ooh, I'm going to trick this woman. So he goes out to the store, he buys two loaves of bread, he puts them on her doorstep. The next morning she opens up, she sees the two loaves of bread, and she begins to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, he's answered my prayer. And the atheist jumps out of the bushes and says, ha, got you. There is no God. I got the bread for you. I provided the bread. And the woman laughed at the atheist and said, Oh, the Lord answered my prayer. Even though he used the devil to do it. The Lord delivered David even though he used the devil to do it because God's love is too great. Your God is almighty, Christian which means he can do all things. It means your sin is no match for God. 
Your trouble will not overcome his greatness and his care for you. He can move mountains to save you. He can move mountains to provide for you. He can part the sea to allow you to escape. He can even use your enemy to bless you. He can even use your sin. He can bring good out of sin. See, the darkness is not dark to God. What can God do to save you? What God can do to save you is all things. Now, this love is the doctrine of God's sovereignty. God's love is too great, the first point. It's about God's sovereignty. And matched with God's decree of election. And make no mistake about it, this is an election chapter. This is a text on the doctrine of election. Just like chapter 18, 28 was a text on the doctrine of reprobation. Saul was condemned because Saul was an enemy of God. But David, same sins, same wickedness, but for David, protection, blessing, because he was a child of God. Both were violent sinners, but because God chose David before the foundations of the earth, Because God chose David before the foundations of the earth. He gets a love that is too great. You see, God's decree of election, when you combine God's decree of election and his sovereignty together, when you combine election and sovereignty together, you get love that is too great. It's too great to fail. Even when we fail, and we fail, and we fail, that failure is merely an opportunity for God to love you more. It's God's time to show you how much he loves you. Because we love because he first loved us. And that's the point of God's great love. David wrote in Psalm 139 after discovering all the ways the Lord made and provided for him, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My, my soul knows it very well. Praise your God, Christian. That's what this text is commanding you to do. Praise your God. Praise your God, for he is almighty. He is working all things together, even hard things, even simple things, all these things to care for you. God's love is too great to ever let you go. When you find that love, it will make you do one thing. Fall on your knees and praise your God. Praise your God, Christian, for he is almighty. His love is too great. God's love cannot be broken. Second point. God's love cannot be broken because it's too great. God's love cannot be broken for his love is forever faithful. Verse 8. And David said to Achish, but what have I done? 
Now he's arguing. I want to go fight. I want to go fight God's people. This is a very damning verse. Listen to him. This is David. What have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King, the serpent King? This is a damnable verse. David is fighting to go fight against Yahweh. You see it there? He's so unrepentant. He's such a servant of sin. Will he be condemned like Saul? No. Because he's elect. And because he's elect, Something different happens to David. And that difference is God's faithfulness. Verse 9, and Achish answered David and said, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know, here, this is not a very pious verse either. I know that you are blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Angel means messenger. He's literally calling David a messenger of death, a messenger of idolatry. You're a messenger of idolatry. You're a serpent son. Join to hell. However, the commanders will not let it happen. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines said, you cannot go up. My hands are tied. Akish is saying, my hands are tied because God tied those hands. God is protecting David from David here in this text. God is protecting David from the treason that he's about to commit so that he cannot be labeled a, tree, tre, uh, a treasonist. He's protecting him so that he could be king one day. He's protecting him from killing Saul, violating the Lord's anointed. He's protecting him from sin. He's protecting him from the devil. He's protecting him from himself. He has to go away and live far away. He has to go far away, him and his men. They couldn't be charged with any treason. Here Yahweh's protecting David. From himself. And David doesn't deserve an ounce of this grace. You can actually argue with these two chapters together. You can actually argue that David's sins greater than Saul's. Saul, Saul sought the devil. David joined the devil. Saul wanted merely to know if God's people would win the battle the next day. David joined the enemy to kill God's people the next day. If we're, if we're putting apples to apples, if we're judging apples to apples, David is the worst sinner. Saul was condemned, but David's protected. David's protected because God's mercy was too strong. His love was too great. Yahweh's mercy could not let David go no matter how far he fell. No matter how far he fell, God would not let go. Why? Because Jesus said, all that the Father gives to me, I will lose none. 
all the Father gives to me, I will lose none. You see, Christ's cross is too powerful over sin to undo God's love. David was faithless, but God was faithful. And perhaps reflecting on this moment, David wrote Psalm 139 when he said, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I free from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. Because God's love is forever faithful. David wrote in Psalm 103, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Steadfast love is forever love. You know that verse, God is love? I want to amend it, but not in canon. It's just in sermon. So I'm not going to add to God's word. <laughs> but I'll amend it just for the sermon. God is love? Yes, God is forever love. God is forever love. David was lost and God was merciful. And this is where you come into the story. Actually, you don't come into the story here. You come into the story at the same time and place that David came into this story before the foundations of the earth. Paul said that God chose you before the foundations of the earth to be his own. Before you've done anything good or bad, he chose you. He predestined us in love. Paul says, he predestined us in love to the adoption, for adoption as sons, as daughters. And so his mercy will never let you go. No matter what you do in time, no matter what you do this time, but because before time he chose you, his faithfulness is therefore timeless which means he has all the time in the world to deliver you, all the time in the world to protect you, all the time in the world and forever to be with you, blessing you, caring for you, even using the darkness, even using the sin, even in the trouble. Surely, God's goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And the story ends. Achish says, Now then rise early in the morning with the servants of the Lord come who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out early in the morning, returned to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Here at the end of chapter 29, David walked away in the morning. He walked away in the morning, saved by the Philistines who will go out and destroy Saul. Now, chapter 28, if you recall, Saul walked out at night. Saul left in the darkness because that's the place for the reprobate. But David walked out in the light because that's the place for the elect. We walk in the light of Christ. No matter our sin, no matter our misery, Christ is our life. Christ is our light. Jesus said, I lay down my life 
or the sheep. He died on the cross to take away the darkness. He bore our sin and you bear it no more. And in Christ, morning may tarry for the night. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. Morning may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning, for Christ is leading us. Still waters, green pastures, because his love is unbreakable. He will never let go. His love is too great. It is forever faithful. And chapter 29 proves it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.